Welcome to Funds in Focus by the senior members of the investment strategy team at FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds. Join our experts as they explore how current market trends are shaping the investment landscape. In each episode, you'll learn how a specific FlexShares ETF operates and how the market has impacted the fund along with the potential long-term implications of your client portfolio. Now, on to the show. Many investors today are keenly interested in how the U.S. economy and financial markets will respond to the unprecedented fiscal monetary stimulus rolled out to combat the ongoing global coronavirus pandemic. Rising financial market volatility is a top concern, and lately there has been an increased debate around the prospects for inflation. Typically thought of as a safe haven asset with inflation hedging characteristics, investors have flocked to gold as evident by rising prices of the precious metal. As investors weigh how to prepare for what's ahead, we thought it would be informative to discuss why we've seen interest in gold, what are some of the drivers behind the inflation debate, and potential investment strategies to consider in this environment. With us today is Ellen Chanowith, Associate Investment Strategist. Thanks for joining us today, Ellen. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here today. Ellen, when I think of gold, I typically think of a precious physical possession that is typically preserved until you basically need to cash it in quickly. Given the current market condition, why don't you get us started by giving our listeners your opinion of what's driving interest lately? Of course. Yeah, I'd be happy to do that. I think it's interesting, this question of what's driving the interest in gold lately, and a lot of market participants have been asking themselves that lately. And it's not as straightforward to answer. The reason it could be a head scratcher is that historically, there are really three reasons why people typically invest in gold. So the first is as a safe haven asset, as you alluded to. The second is as a U.S. dollar hedge. And then the third is as an inflation hedge. So there's a lot of uncertainty in the market today, and there are arguments supporting all three of those use cases at the moment. So looking at interest rates being pinned at zero and then real rates in negative territory as they are today, gold suddenly becomes more attractive as that opportunity cost to own the asset is reduced. And so this could be one source driving interest as investors are seeking shelter from market volatility. And then additionally, we've seen the U.S. dollar fall this year from a peak in mid-March by about 8.6% through yesterday. And now historically, gold and the U.S. dollar are negatively correlated to one another. So this could be another driver. And then finally, um, the one I find particularly interesting is the inflation use case. So as you had mentioned, the debate for and against inflation has been rising and even intensifying as investors are paying closer attention to the topic and weighing how a reflation trade might materialize. So what do you find interesting about the inflation use case for gold? Yeah, I think it's interesting because gold is often thought of as this inflation hedge, but our research suggests that there are better risk hedges available to investors. In particular, treasury inflation protected securities, TIPS, as well as natural resources. We find that while gold does exhibit positive price correlation to inflation, that correlation is volatile over time. And comparatively, both natural resource equities and tips exhibit stronger correlations to inflation with much less volatility in that correlation. 
To me, if you're buying an asset class to hedge against inflation, you want to understand that that uh, relationship to inflation as measured by the consumer price index is stable over time to best achieve your goals. So you mentioned that you think investors are starting to pay closer attention to the risk of inflation. Why is that? Yeah. So interesting to me is that though that inflation debate has been picking up lately, I believe that the risk is largely unappreciated right now based on the current market pricing of tip securities. So we look at break-even spreads on tips as one indicator of the rate of inflation that investors are predicting over various timeframes. Prior to the beginning of the pandemic, actual inflation as well as inflation expectations were muted and the Fed's preferred inflation measure, which is the Personal Consumption Expenditures Index, struggled to meet the central bank's 2% target. Now, structurally, there are a few reasons for that that many have cited, including um, increased global trade, we've seen advances in technology and automation, as well as uh, changing demographics. But immediately following the uh, COVID-19-induced demand destruction, Inflation expectations fell sharply in March, but they've since recovered to their pre-pandemic level of about 1.5% annualized over the next five years. And that's uh, taking a look as of yesterday. So that is indicating that the market still believes inflation will be muted for the next several years. But if history tells us anything, we know that inflation, especially in the short term, is incredibly difficult to predict, and there are some risks on the horizon that could potentially finally spark that flame. Yeah, that's a great point. It seems like inflation can be abrupt, though it's hard to predict. What are some of the risks our listeners should be paying attention to? Yeah, there's um, definitely a few items worth noting when it comes to the reflation risk, of which I would note are coordinated economic policy, retreating globalization, price pressures directly related to the pandemic uh, and safety measures, as well as potential for changes in fiscal and regulatory policy changes, depending on the results of the upcoming election. So when it comes to economic policy, The coordinated response by both the government and the Federal Reserve has been unprecedented, to say the least. So as a comparison, uh, in response to the global financial crisis in 2008, the Fed pumped in $1.3 trillion into the market in an effort to ease financial conditions over a period of 18 months. Today, that figure is $2.8 trillion over the last nine months. Now, concurrently, the government has also introduced a tremendous amount of fiscal support, which is intended to reach individual consumers and small businesses. Financing those programs has also led to a growing budget deficit and then a phenomenal increase in money supply. And then the last thing to consider is that uh, Congress is continuing to negotiate on a fifth stimulus bill, and that could potentially inject as much as $1.5 trillion into the economy on top of the $3.1 trillion that has already been approved. So certainly unprecedented, as I had mentioned. Now, on the global, global geopolitical front, globalization is widely cited as a source of deflationary pressures. However, global trade has been slowly declining. <clears throat> 
We've also seen rising trade tensions. And of course, the US-China trade war exasperated uh, this decline in globalization. And the coronavirus pandemic may be another source of uh, disruption to globalization. We've seen many companies evaluate their supply chains as supply constraints during the first quarter impacted operations. Yeah, I see your point about deglobalization. It could be a while to materialize, and that can potentially take some time for consumers to fill it in their pockets. But I can uh, I can actually relate to that. I recently experienced that going to the dentist. Uh, while booking my appointment, the receptionist explained the updated requirements for infection control and prevention and how they have a COVID surcharge now for the personal protective equipment, the PPE. And, you know, I think it's understandable as certain businesses adjust their prices to continue to stay in business. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And just as you had outlined, that's another direct impact to inflation caused directly by COVID-19. So the service economy, inflation. So think of things like dentists in your experience, other physicians, hair salons, nail salons, childcare, Um, The service economy broadly has really highlighted the increased need for advanced protocols for cleaning and additional costs associated with protecting workers and patrons. So these costs are being directly passed on to consumers, as you experience, but it's also possible that those costs will stick around for some time. So how about the burning question of everyone these days? How could the election have an effect on inflation? Certainly. So I think as the election nears, and we're only just about six weeks out today, investors will start to weigh the risks of inflation as many do believe that a democratic sweep could be near-term inflationary. So some of the potential policy changes that could occur if there were to be a shift in governing governing party include greater technology sector regulation, Um, additional programs to ease the student debt burden, for example, and then additional stimulus in the form of direct government spending and payments to consumers. So all of these um, could contribute to some near-term price pressures. Yeah, there seems to be a lot to consider there, uh, which could be exacerbated by the Federal Reserve's new measures that will allow inflation to run above its 2% target. Yeah, absolutely. So Ellen, let's shift gears a bit to talk about how the how to potentially protect against these risks. Earlier, you mentioned that TIPS demonstrates good correlation to inflation, naturally, as the name implies. What do investors need to know about investing in TIPS? Sure. So on the surface, TIPS are generally pretty easy to understand. They are issued by the U.S. Treasury, and they come with a fixed coupon, and their principal is adjusted up or down with inflation or deflation. So this is that inflation-protected component. The often overlooked and underappreciated risk with TIPS investing is the duration drift that market cap-weighted indexes can exhibit. So it's really important to remember that TIPS are fixed income securities and changes in duration can introduce really a significant amount of uh, interest rate risk to investors' portfolios. And I understand the duration to be the sensitivity of bond prices to change in interest rates. Yep, that's exactly right. So duration drifts implies that your sensitivity to rates can change over time. I'm sure our listeners are just as curious as I am. Would that be the right way to think about it? Yeah, yes, that's exactly the idea there. So just to give um, 
kind of a brief on duration. Duration is a function of a bond's cash flows, the time to maturity, and of course, prevailing interest rates. With fixed coupon bonds, this duration calculation is fairly easy to calculate. Uh, you have your fixed monthly coupon. So say, for example, you have um, a monthly coupon for 10 years, and then you have your final par value that you can use to value a bond. Now, tips are unique in that their future cash flows are dependent on future realized inflation. And those cash flows can be very difficult to predict with inflation expectations that can shift quickly responding to the overall economic environment. So as an example of this, back in late February, when the market started to fully price in the effect of the pandemic on growth, inflation expectations fell dramatically, leading to lower expected uh, future cash flows. And in turn, those lower cash flows drove durations higher. Now, this wasn't an isolated experience. And it's demonstrated over time with market cap weighted indexes. The other thing is that this risk has long-term implications for correlation to inflation, as well as total returns. And over longer periods of time, the real returns and interest rates can overwhelm that inflation-linked component of TIPS. We find that short-duration TIPS indexes demonstrate better correlation to inflation, and targeting duration allows for better risk budgeting in a portfolio context. I see. So if durations are so variable, how can investors target duration as you suggest? Sure. So the FlexShares Target Duration TIPS Index Funds, ticker symbols TDTT and TDTF, are designed to track two indexes managed by IBOX. And these indexes utilize modified adjusted duration to target durations of three years and five years respectively. And then they rebalance to those targets on a monthly basis, thereby giving investors exposure to the asset class and confidence that they can maintain their desired duration profile over time. Wow, you've given us a lot to think about. Ellen, I want to thank you for your time today, and we look forward to having you back on the show. Thanks, Jahan. Thank you for listening to Funds in Focus. You can learn more about us by visiting our website, go.flexshares.com slash fundsinfocus. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Before investing, carefully consider the FlexShares investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. This and other information is in the prospectus and a summary prospectus, copies of which may be obtained by visiting www.flexshares.com. Read the prospectus carefully before you invest. Foresight Fund Services, LLC Distributor. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. There is no guarantee that a specific strategy will be successful. ETFs are subject to specific risks, depending on the nature of the underlying strategy of the fund. These risks could include liquidity risk, sector risk, as well as risks associated with fixed income securities, real estate investments, and commodities, to name a few. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. FlexShares iBox 5-Year Target Duration Tips Index Fund, TDTF, is a passively managed, non-diversified fund that invests in Treasury Inflation Protection Securities, TIPS. TIPS may decrease in value even in an inflationary environment. 
The fund is also subject to fluctuation of yield risk, income risk, and interest rate maturity risk. The fund may also invest in derivative instruments. Please read the fund's prospectus for specific details regarding the fund's risk profile. Carefully consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, expenses before investing. A prospectus is available at www.flexshares.com. Read it carefully before investing. FlexShares funds are distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LLC. Investing involves risk including possible loss of principal. FlexShares iBox 3-Year Target Duration Tips Fund, TDTT, is a passively managed, non-diversified fund that invests in Treasury Inflation Protection Securities, TIPS. TIPS may decrease in value even in an inflationary environment. The fund is also subject to fluctuation of yield risk, income risk, and interest rate maturity risk. The fund may also invest in derivative instruments. Please read the fund's prospectus for specific details regarding the fund's risk profile. Carefully consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, expenses before investing. A prospectus is available at www.flexshares.com. Read it carefully before investing. FlexShares funds are distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LLC.